You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. It all begins at the beginning. I believe tithing is the beginning, not the end point. It's the start. It's not the destination. Um, And the first thing I want to do with you, church, is congratulate you because we started talking unapologetically about giving last year at this time of the year. Um, We've been a little bit shy and apologetic. We know Australian culture is all, church only talks about money. Listen, three Sundays out of 52, we we might preach on this. Three Sundays out of 52. Um, and so we've been a bit shy about that and apologise for that. And we just stepped forward and said, hey, if God's going to talk about it, we're going to talk about it. And I'm here to tell you that our income went up tremendously last year, just simply because you listened to the Word of God and you stepped out on the Word of God and you lived by the Word of God. And God is now doing great things in you and through you. So I congratulate you on that. You stepped up to the mark. Um, and there's something special about this thing called the tithe. Uh, it's, it, the, the word tithe literally means tenth. And it'll appear in some versions of the Bible as 10th. And even though I kind of practiced this from the very beginning of my Christian life, I didn't fully understand what it was, the power or whatever. I just got born again and they said, you need to tithe. And I said, what the heck is that? You give 10%. Okay, if that's what I'm supposed to do, I'll do it. I was kind of thinking, well, you join a club, that's what you do. You know, I was thinking club. And it's the furthest thing from paying dues to a club. You've got to get that out of your head. Um, And I want us to take a look at the power, the blessing that's behind this thing and, and where it all comes from. And to do that, we're gonna look at it first mentioned in history that we know of and where it, it kind of originated from. There's this thing called the law of first mention. It's the first time a word occurs in the scriptures and it, it gives the key to understand its meaning every time it appears after that. Now, in one of my, the, the technical term is one of my homiletic, one of my hermeneutic books, Never mind the term. It says this. Let me just read this for a second. The law of first mention is a guideline that people use for studying scripture. The law of first mention says that to understand a particular word or doctrine, we must first find, we must find the first place in scripture that word or doctrine is revealed and study that passage. The reasoning is that the Bible's first mention of a concept is the simplest and clearest presentation. Doctrines are then more fully developed on that foundation. So to fully understand an important and complex theological concept, Bible students are advised to start with its first mention. Its first mention is not in the book of the law, Leviticus. Its first mention is in the book of beginnings, Genesis. So God starts with this. Not long into history, all of a sudden, boom, it appears. No mandate, no commandment, no form of practice that we can see of. And all of a sudden, it just happens in Genesis chapter 14. And that's where we're going to go to. We're going to read that story. I'm going to read it in, uh, I forget who's got this translation, but the New Learner's translation, because it's, it's Old Testament story. Yeah, it must be yours, Nate. Is that right? I thought you liked the Amplified. Nah, nah, nah. Okay. New Learners puts it in our language. Okay, here we go. Verse 17. After Abram returned from his victory over Ketelamar and all his allies, the king, of Sodom, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shava, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem. I hadn't found any of you guys naming your new sons Melchizedek yet, but anyway. And Mel- it's a good name. You know what it actually means? It means king of righteousness. Hmm, good name. Uh, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, that's Jerusalem. 
and it means king of peace, city of peace. And priest of God most high brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Now you've got to understand in the Old Testament when a patriarch blesses or a priest blesses, it's not just somebody sneezing and you, God bless you. As a matter of fact, the sneeze and saying blessing comes from paganism. I don't know if you know that. They feel that it's something to do with your spirit leaving you and evil spirits coming on you. This is far beyond just going bless you. Uh, this is something that conveys authority, power, destiny, everything in it. And so this Melchizedek, we have no clue that Abraham or Abram as he was known then even knew who this guy was at the time. Abram, he blessed him with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high. That's significant. Right here at the beginning, Melchizedek lifts up the highest name of God, El Elyon, God in the highest, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. Naturally, spontaneously, Abram just steps forward and he gives Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Nobody twisting his arm. Nobody saying bills have to be paid. Nobody saying this man deserves it. Out of the goodness of his heart, bang, he spontaneously gives. Here's a different story though, verse 21. The king of Sodom. We all know about Sodom. The king of Sodom said to Abram. So you can imagine, here's Melchizedek. He's just conferred a blessing on Abram. Abraham's feeling 10 feet tall. The king of Jerusalem, the prince of peace has come and he's spoken God's blessing over me. God in the highest. And now all of a sudden, the guy from Sodomy, where it originates, comes and does different. I, he says, give me back my people who, who were captured. But you can keep for yourself all the goods you've recovered. So in other words, let's do a deal. Abram replied to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And this isn't like some teenager going, I swear I didn't do it, mom. That's different. This is a guy putting his hand in the air and it means if this is not true, may God strike me down. He said, I swear by God most high that I will not take so much as a single thread or a sandal thong from what belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, I am the one who made Abram rich. This is a key here. Your employer does not make you rich. Your business prowess does not make you rich. God in heaven is your provider. He is your source. I will accept, verse 24, I will accept only what my young warriors have already eaten and I request that you give a, a fair share of the goods to my allies, Aner, Eskol, and Mamre. And you see here, this is a tale of two kings, king of righteousness and the king of Sodom. The king of Sodom comes bargaining. The king of Salem comes blessing. The king of Sodom comes demanding. The king of Salem comes refreshing him. The king of Sodom comes accusing. The king of Salem comes affirming. I don't know which one you want to hang out with. Abram knows about Sodom, his nephew's living there. And he says, I don't want a thing from you. As a matter of fact, you can take back everything. I don't want it. And, and Abram's choice to give to this king, this priest, Melchizedek is a king and a priest. You know, there was only one other king and priest in the whole of history and scripture, don't you? And no, it's not David. The only king and priest is Jesus. And Abram's choice to give to him, and that's important. This is a first mention Go down to Hebrews. What does Hebrews say about Melchizedek? He, he made the way. He set the pace. He is a foreshadow of the Messiah who was to come. 
He's just like him. And, and, and Abram's choice to give to this king and priest is like saying, oh, I'm giving this straight to God. And it's got important aspects to the issue of tithing. It's the first mention. So before you go to the place of, oh, it's just law. Oh, they just want to pay the bills. Absolutely not. First and foremost, this took place hundreds of years before the law was ever written. Hundreds of years. And secondly, it, it extended beyond the parameters of the law. The law says in Leviticus, take 10%, give it to the tribe of Levi so they can do their ministry in the tabernacle or the temple. Hang on. Let's go back 400 years. Here is Melchizedek long before there's anybody called Levi. Levi comes from the seed of Abraham. Listen. Abraham is not giving to his seed. He is giving to another long before that ever existed. You've got to see this. You've got to get revelation on this. When people want to argue tithing's not for today, I want to submit to you tithing never ceased. It started at the beginning. Why should it cease? God never said stop doing this. Anyway. So. Before you kind of get in your head, come on Keith, just. Yeah, yeah, you yawn and you go, get on with it. I don't like all this historical stuff. I, I, I kind of want to point out an important point to you in this first mention of tithing. First, the tithe was first given as a natural response, not a religious duty. If you are only giving out a religious duty, I give you permission to stop. That's okay. If you're just propping up things or feeling like you're ticking the boxes religiously, just stop. You're actually doing more damage. Hebrews makes it very clear that the tithe to Melchizedek was far greater because it was one that was done from the heart to this greater priest king, not to some institution with bills, even though we've got to pay them. And this act is declared to be greater because it's not done out of legalism or out of law. First mention. So what makes the first mention tithing so great? Abraham's response was from the heart, not from the letter of the law. His response gives us revelation about tithing from the heart. Now, for me, becoming a Christian, it, it, it was never a matter of question. I didn't, oh yeah, what, hang on a minute. This is just about you getting your pay and you know, saying to the pastors of the church. It was, hey, you've chosen in your heart to follow God. Now, this is one of the things you do. And I went, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Didn't even question. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to question, but I'm saying sometimes obedience is better than sacrifice. Okay, so what is it about this? Abraham responds first and foremost with recognition. You need to get this revelation today. There is a recognition by Abraham that this is God's provision and God alone. That God has made a way for me. He has provided for me. And he, he, he talks to the, the king of Sodom and the king goes back and says, give me my people who are captured. Keep all this other stuff, but give it all back. And Abraham, Abram, as he was known, says, I'm swearing to God right now that I am not touching anything that comes from you. I will never touch anything that comes from you because God alone is my provider. I don't want anybody to say that you did it for me because God alone is the one who has prospered me and will continue to do so. He's remembering back to the promise. And he's going, the promise was not made by a man, it was made by God. And so he's recognizing in this tithe that God is the one who is his provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, my, the Lord is my provider. But he also recognizes in this God's dominion. It's not just God's provision. Because it's clear from the passage, God gave him the victory. 
Melchizedek says so, Abram knows so. so. God calls my warriors to win. I mean, we're talking about all of these clans and these, these Canaanites who had gathered together and there's multitudes of them and Abraham kicks butt with 318 men. How does that happen? God. And he knows this. And, and this is the, one of the reasons he wouldn't take the spoils of war. And you need to understand, in the day and age, in ancient history, it is the right of the victor to take everything captive and make it his own possession. Everything. That's what, that's what Paul talks about when he talks about, you know, there is, a, there, there is a train of triumph following him. Because as a Roman Caesar would come back from war or his general would come back from war, he would have this train of possessions and people that would follow him into, into Rome showing this now belongs to me. Abram said, I don't want any of it. I don't want a thing. And he knows he has the right to have this. But he said, no, what I want you to know is that God and God alone has dominion over everything I have. He has provided he is the ruler over it. And you know, in tithing, you know, that's what we do. We're saying first and foremost, that's why it's called a first fruit. Because the fruit of the first thing we earn, we say, God, this is holy to you. I don't touch it. If I, if I brought something sacred, I mean, incredibly sacred. We don't, we don't have a lot of statues and symbols and all that stuff. But imagine somebody brought something Let's say a child. Let's say it's like Hannah of old. A woman's been crying out to God for a child all her life. Bang, God gives her a child. First thing she does when the child is weaned a little bit, brings that child to the altar and says, God, this child belongs to you and to you alone. You're my provider. This child is yours. I have dedicated this child to you. Who of you would come then and grab that child by the hand and walk that child away from the altar and say, this is nonsense, don't do this. What makes that child any more holy than first fruits? They both belong to God. They both are dedicated to Him. You wouldn't dare do that, neither would I. Then why do you touch the tithe? Just saying, just thinking. Abram knows God has dominion over everything I own. And right now I might be giving him a tenth, but any day he can have it all. Any day. And he's acknowledging this. Because tithing keeps us aware that all we have comes from God. And he has authority not only over what we have, but over our enemies who are trying to take it away from us. God has authority. God has dominion over our finance. There comes, a, you heard what Graham said, oh, we didn't always get what we want, but we always had what we needed. You know, and you know that because God has dominion over it. And, I, you know, Abram could have been tempted. Yeah, you know, I like the bargain from King Sodom. That wasn't his name, but I, I like his bargain. I think, and, and he could have rationalized in his head, maybe this is God's way of providing for me. That's kind of like a modern day business person doing a deal under the table that they know is not right and they're doing it with a shady person. And they're going, maybe that's God's way of providing. You're not going to see that turning into anything holy. Abram knows this guy represents everything that is evil. This guy is going to be destroyed one day because of his evil nature. 
I don't want anything. I don't want to touch anything from him. Be careful who you partner with and how you partner. And Abram could have justified this thinking. I want to tell you, this was a test for Abram right here at this moment. He's called the father of faith. You better believe your faith will be tested, even in tithing. Graham said, you know, it wasn't easy at the beginning. That's true. Um, I know when Scott and Karina were about to buy that next business and set that up, that wasn't easy either, was it? It's like they were looking at the same building we were looking at. Get out of there. We want it. No. So we knew God had it for them. But it's not easy because I want to tell you, your enemies will do everything they can, not only to test you in this, but to take you down. And Abram's saying by giving the tithe, it doesn't matter what my enemy is scheming and doing, he, he, he is still in control. So I recognize his dominion. But the second thing with Abram we see in this first fruits, this tithe mentioned is he responds with honor. I love the guys talking about honor. I had no idea they're going to talk about honor. I did not see this video till last night after I'd finished the sermon. Nate sent it through at the last minute. It's uh, I don't know if that was God or if that was you being tardy. I'll claim it was God because I'm, I'm massaging. We've had a, a very kind of crazy week. Jez will tell you about it after my head's all over the shop right now. And Jez will tell you about it afterwards if you haven't caught up on that. So I was working on the message till, I don't know when I sent through the stuff to Andrew and to Darren. Um, and then Nate sends this through and I watched it. I love the fact that they just kept bringing it back to honor. Because first and foremost, Abram honors the greatness of God. That's what he says when he lays it at Melchizedek's feet, this king priest. He just says, I want to honor God. And it's interesting, he places it before Melchizedek. He doesn't go find some obscure place to lay down his tithe. He knows exactly where it belongs. Because this king priest has conveyed a blessing on him and that blessing comes from the highest of high. El Elyon, God most high. Blessed be Abraham with this blessing. Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. If you want the highest of all to bless your life, then you need to, you need to respond with honor. God is, a God, God is a God who travels on the highway of honor. And he responds to that. And then after Abram does this, he's receiving. You need to understand he's not just receiving this little bless you, bless you, my son, bless you kind of thing. You know, it's not some little religious kind of act. He's actually ministering into the soul of Abram right here. He's actually increasing the faith of Abram right here. He's actually proclaiming over Abram, God is on your side. Whoa. You know, all of a sudden this guy, the, 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 the prince, the king of Jerusalem, steps forward and says, I'm here to tell you something, buddy. God is on your side. I know he's told you that before, but he's lifting the bar now. You need to know that. And all of a sudden, Abram doesn't just respond in honoring the greatness of God. He responds to honor the work of God. It's not just about going, oh, this is awesome. Look what I received. No, it's look what God is doing. And, and this is where, you know, if you, if you read this through and you go, Spirit of God, just let me see this. There's revelation that comes long before the priesthood was formalized in the law, coming out of Abraham. 
Before that, there is this Melchizedek who ministered to Abram and his men. And the first thing he does, he ministers physically to their needs. He brings out bread and wine. In other words, he didn't just walk them over to a pit and go, there's a bit of water in there, let your camels drink. Get one while you're at it. He gives them choice provision. You know what that says to me? Whether he was a theophany, in other words, some theologians say that is an appearance of God before time in a man, or whether it was a literal man on behalf of God, nobody can say emphatically. And that really doesn't matter. Whether it was God himself or the man of God, what matters is this. He came prepared with full blessing. And God has every intention on blessing you fully. And Abram honors this. And by the way, you need to know too, this is the first mention in history, in scripture, of a priest, Melchizedek. Significant. Why is it significant? Because it doesn't take law to honor the person of God who's ministering. Pretty cool. And yet when you look at this, you go, now hang on a minute. Abram's supposed, right now in history, as we understand history from a biblical point of view, Abram is the highest of high of all people that God has ever called. I mean, this radical calling, this obedience of Abram, the, 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 the blessing of God on him, he is the high, there is nobody we know of that, that is superior to Abram. Yet look at what uh, this commentary says. Melchizedek is the only person whom Abram recognized as his spiritual superior. Abram accepted blessing from him and Abram paid a tenth of all he had. Abram did this deliberately in full awareness of what he was doing. It shows how unthreatened and humble Abram was even after a victory. Tithing is like that. See, to honor is to show humility. To dishonor is to show pride. And here is the man who is called the father of faith bowing in the presence of this individual and handing him possessions. Honor. You know what Proverbs 3, 5 says, don't you? And and by the way, this is not a law book. This is a wisdom book. The Bible is not a book. It's a collection of 66 books and letters. This book could stand alone, the book of wisdom, Proverbs. And Proverbs, as wisdom says, Proverbs 3, 5, it's not going to be on the screen, so you'll have to listen or look in your Bible. Trust in the, uh, that's not the one I want. 3, 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions. There you go. And with the first fruits, they were talking about, of all your, in, all your increase. What does it say in verse 10? So that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Why is it you're not overflowing? Just look at the honor gauge. Just saying. Maybe. I mean, again, I've walked with these guys for 22 years and I've watched them honor God for year after year after year. And I've watched God just increase them quietly in the background. They just increase constantly. And God is just blessing them and he's blessing through them. The act of tithing by Abram to this king priest, it it was far greater than an act done by the law. In in Hebrews, let me just read you this, Hebrews 7.4. Just so you know, I'm not making this up. Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel. In other words, the highest, our father of faith, 
recognize this by giving him a tenth of what he'd taken in battle. That's humility. That's honor. That's a generous spirit. And in tithing, we respond with honor. Honor to God and honor to his workers who minister to us on his behalf. That's still part of the deal. Because through them, he's constantly blessing us. He's strengthening us. He's meeting our every need. And he does this in the context of the New Testament community called the church. It's where it happens. And this is far greater than tithing in the day of the law, that just like in the day of Melchizedek, because it is an act, it is a response of honor, not of duty. It's my duty. To, I remember getting a phone call from the denomination back in the day. Um, you're not doing your duty financially for the denomination. I remember getting that phone call. Did that make me want to give? Absolutely not. What makes me want to give is relationship and vision and honor, ministry. Because honor is released when we tithe. And listen, that releases then the work of God in a greater measure. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Here it is. The elders, the spiritual leaders who direct the affairs of the church, are, uh, direct the church well, are worthy of double honor. There it is. Especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, now he quotes two Old Testament passages to show you they deserve what they get and even more. Scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while he's treading out the grain. In other words, you, you muzzle an ox, he can't eat, he has no strength, there'll be no harvest. And the scripture goes on and says, the worker deserves his wages. Double honor. It's about honor. So Abram responds with honor. But thirdly, he also responds with gratitude. This is what it shows us in the law of first mention. It's about the heart. And, and we find in Abram this gratitude. He is thankful for the promise that God had given to him. I mean, years before... You go back to chapter 12 where God chose him, God called him, God made him this promise that was just out of this world. I've heard these guys talk about, I think Scott referred to it. Was that the time, you're talking about you're sitting at Fraser Parade, you guys were engaged. Was that the time, now I don't want to embarrass you, but was that the time you knew God had put something on you to provide for the kingdom? Not just even in tithing, but to do stuff for the kingdom. Was that the time or was it before that? Before that, yeah. I've heard you talk about that, and that's significant, that there is this, there is this promise of God in his calling. And, and they live by the promise of God when he says, when you, I will. And he says this to Abram. We know this, Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. When God speaks and God makes a promise, listen, it is yes and amen. It's going to happen, period. And not the enemy or anyone can take that away from us. When God says, I will, I will, I will, it is done. And Abram here laying this at the feet of Melchizedek is going, I remember the promise. I remember the promise. I know the promise. I am so grateful for the Word of God that has come to me and changed my life and set me on a path for His work. 
Now I want to fast forward to the end of the Testament, end of the Old Testament. We're at the new, we're at the beginning of the uh, New Testament. We're at the beginning of the Old Testament. We're going to the end. Let's look at the promise that God gave about the tithe. And again, just in case you think, oh, hang on, now we're getting into Old Testament rituals and law. Just in case you think it's that, this promise about taking care of where God's work extends from has never been revoked. Never. God never said, stop doing this, it's silly. Okay? Matthew chapter 3, verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Graham said that again. I just, everything from 100%, not after taxes, not after investments, not after this or that. It is right at the beginning, 100, you know, 10% of that, 100% belongs to God. Somebody once said to a Christian, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm amazed that you could live off of 90%, that you give 10% away without even asking a question. And I'm amazed um, that you do that. And the Christian responded, well, I'm kind of amazed that you could live off 100% without God's blessing on it. I'd rather live off 90% with God's promise and favor than try to live off 100 with my budgeting powers. So he says, test me in this. Says the Lord Almighty, see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll not have enough room for it. Here's the promise. I'm going to bless you so much you're not going to contain it. And by the way, I will stop the enemy from destroying it. I have made you a promise. You stand on that promise and I will prevent. Not you stand guard. Just stand back and watch. I'll do it. I will prevent the pest from devouring your crops. We're talking to an agricultural people. But today he would say, I will stop the people from robbing your budget. I will stop the, the accountants or I will stop the people from embezzling away from your business. I will stop. This is the promise of God. If he has raised up your business, he has dominion over that business. He will do this when you honor him because you're standing on his promise. And he says, then all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Haley was telling me, I'm not going to say what it was. I said to her on Christmas Eve, oh, she, I think Haley came up and said, guess what he got for Christmas? And I said, what did you get? It's the same thing because it's so nice. I won't say what it was. I'm not going to spoil it. But imagine people looking at him going, golly, I wish I could do that. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. These things come. People look back and they shouldn't be envious. They should say, man, you're blessed. This is, this is a result of the blessing. Because we have, an, we have a, an attitude of thankfulness and we're thankful because of all that God has done and for his promises and his word he's spoken to us, but we're thankful for his blessing. Abram knows. God's blessed me. That's the reason I'm doing this. The reason I tithe is not because I have to and not because you need my tithe. The reason I tithe is because God has blessed me so much. How can I not? And the blessing from Melchizedek reinforces God's favor. He knows when he lays this down, the favor of God isn't just on the offering, it's on me. It's on me. So he gives a tenth of the first fruit of everything that he had. So tithing is the great way to show our thankfulness to God for his promises, for his blessings. But listen, it's not just about his word, his, his blessing, his word to us and his blessing on us. It's about his blessing through us. I know these guys and I know other people and I know how generous they are and I know how they give for the kingdom of God and they give so that things can happen and God does that. You know, it's, it, Tithing is not so much about paying the bills as it is about living out the promises of God with blessing. That's what it's about. 
We're stepping into the footsteps of our father, Abraham, and living by faith. The tithe gives us the ability to regularly bless the families of the earth with the preaching of the gospel, the feeding the poor, doing whatever we can do. I think it's, a, it's, it's an incredible shame for the church ever to be limited in its ministry because of the limitation of the giving. I mean, how bad is that? Of all the people on the planet who have a mandate to do something. I was, I was looking online last week and there's this group of people called the doomsday people. Anybody keep up with that? They've got a clock. These people emerged after the bombs were dropped on Japan. And so they formed, it's, it's, it's a legal, formal kind of group of people. And they actually read the signs of the times and determine how much time planet Earth has left. According to things like, you know, the, the arsenal, uh, the nuclear arsenal uh, ramping up and, and uh, the climate and all kind of things. And they said, we're just a couple of minutes now away from midnight till the end of humanity. And they're looking at all of that. And I'm going, of all people, instead of being out on a campaign with placards and save the planet and, you know, hug the koalas and do all that stuff. Of all people, we ought to be doing things that sets the captives free and lets them know that God is the God of this planet. Come on. But it's limited by limitation of giving. In America, the land of church, tithing is less than 2%. Like if, if they average out how many people attend church and if they average out the tithing across all that, it's less than 2%. Giving. Why is that so? Why do people get so thingy with this? I, ah, many reasons. All I know is this, that when we do this, God will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing. Do we want to pour out blessing on this city or just walk around dropping a little drop here and there? The only thing that stops us. So the first mention of tithe teaches us to respond with recognition that God's provided He's in control. It calls us to honor him, his greatness, his work that he calls us to do. It, it causes us to have an attitude of thankfulness. I'm not begrudging that I give this. Never. I'm grateful for his promises and his blessings. But the last thing I want to say to you today is the first mention of tithing. We see what Abraham does. He responds with dedication. He's dedicated himself right now to something, to someone that's far greater than himself. You know what he does? He sanctifies, he makes holy all that God has given to him by laying that tithe down. One thing the book of Leviticus did declare, it didn't say it is so now, it just said it is so. And it says the tithe is holy. Moses had recognized that this thing down through history has the holiness of God on it. This isn't about the dollars or in their day, the agricultural things they bring in. This is not about the substance things you put at the offering. This is about the nature of that stuff because it's got God's hand on it and it makes it holy. Would you touch it? Would you take it home? Would you say it's mine? Never because it belongs to God. So Abram comes and he lays this down and you know what he's doing? In that moment, he is doing an act of personal dedication. He's saying, God, as Scott said, I seek first your kingdom above everything else, knowing 
everything I need will be added to me. I seek you first. See, bringing our tithe and our first fruits at the beginning of each week, I, I wish we could get beyond this. I wish we could get beyond that. It's, a, it's an interruption in the real stuff in the service. It's an add-on. It's a tack-on. It's an appendage. I, I wish we could get to the place in our revelation that we realize this has as much worship to it as the singing of the songs we sing, as the word we hear, as the response we do at the altar. Not because it's got money on it, but because it's where the heart puts its treasure. It's worship. And I wish we could get to the stage where every week, whether we give electronically, you know, for us who give electronically, it's even more difficult because we're not physically bringing something and laying it before Him or putting it before Him. I want to encourage you, if you give electronically, for heaven's sake, sometime in your week, do it in the offering. Hold your hand and say, God, again, afresh, today I am so grateful and I am honouring You and I am recognising Your goodness in my life. And today I dedicate myself to You again afresh and say, all that I am and all that I have belongs to You and to You alone. Come on, let's stand our feet. Let's do that right now. I want to turn the offering into an encounter. An encounter like Abram had when Melchizedek, whether he laid hands on him or not, or just raised his hand, he blessed him with the power of heaven from God on high. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.